Alright, what is going on? It is our last podcast. This one's going to be a bit of a long one, so buckle up for that. Um, but we are going to be in- like talking about interesting topics. Can't wait to get into the college football playoff discussion. Um, also, we're going to be talking about a little bit of fantasy. Not like the, the typical draft players get points from players, but more like a what-if situation. Then we're going to close her out with some Oklahoma football. I'm um, pretty excited to talk about my Sooners as well. Kind of got some big news a couple hours ago. They did cancel the Oklahoma-West Virginia game. And uh, some interesting storylines have came out of that so far. So we'll get to that last. But let's buckle in. I got a couple cool little topics to talk about. And let's get going. So um, I wanted to talk to you guys about the college football playoffs today, right? So the... I. I think the college, well, I believe the college football playoff is in need of some adaptations of um, doing something a little bit differently, right? So we saw the BCS Bowl for quite some time. That ended in 2012, um, you know, and that worked out pretty well for a while, but it always felt like they were leaving somebody out. And I think that's kind of carried over into the uh, the college football playoff. So there, there are a few things that the college football playoff do well, right? It includes two more teams, so it includes four teams. Um, and I think, you know, that's very important, but I don't think it's going to be doing enough for me, right? It also intrigues fans. Um, I think there's a certain type of buy-in by the fans to say, hey, I want to watch this college football selection to see if my team's getting left out or, or put in. Um, especially when it comes down to that last few weeks and your team's made a really good case, but they're kind of just hanging by a thread. And, you know, we've seen that happen multiple times, whether it be a Baylor and a TCU in a year that neither of them got in or a USC team that, you know, it was possible they could get in. Or it's happened many times to Oklahoma where it's like, OK, maybe we can get in. And then they somehow do. Um, saw that last year. So as we continue to see the college football playoff play out, I've also noticed a lot of things that the college football playoff does really poorly. Um, The biggest one being that there are not enough spots. And that's something that's happened multiple times to multiple teams. Um, You know, you see the Baylor and the TCU situation where they had to split a conference championship and neither of them get in. That's that's a problem. I think both of those teams had very reasonable discussions to say that they could get in. And I think TCU could have won that thing that year. Um, so not enough spots is a problem to me. Less emphasis on other bowl games. That's a big problem to me. A lot of players aren't playing in bowl games because, you know, the team's not playing for a national championship. So why should I go play this bowl game? And that's going to be some of your best film of the season because you're playing a good team uh, most of the time. Uh, good on good is something that does matter to scouts, and I think that can improve your draft stocks. I saw that when Will Greer, uh, he was playing, West West Virginia was playing someone in a bowl game, and he opted out of that bowl game, and it just didn't make any sense. And you saw his draft stock not really do too well, because, I mean, he was a third-round pick, I think. And uh, I think he could have improved himself and maybe uh, been a, a better backup in a better situation. Um. There's no advantage for top seeds. Uh, I think the only advantage they really get is they get to pick where they play at, uh, which ends up happening. You know, LSU gets to play in Atlanta, two 
two games in a row, um, and they kind of they packed the, packed it up pretty well in there. I think Oklahoma actually did a really good job, but they still backed it up in there pretty well. Um, you know, it, but that's only as big of an advantage as it is, right? You know, we've also seen teams from the north playing in Florida when they're the second you know tier team like Clemson and Ohio State played in the desert last season um there's no really advantage for being the second seed that doesn't seem fair um and then just the selection process so it just comes down to the last few weeks of the season every single year no really uh no really much of anything from the committee before then and then it's here, here it is for a blast every Tuesday night. Um, and I don't think that's reasonable. I don't think that's a great way of doing that. Um, you know, the committee has to have develop, has to develop a better way of structuring the releases of their uh, selections. And I honestly think they need to do that, you know, in a different way. And so we're going to kind of get into that. Um and there's also no award for conference winners. You saw Alabama get in, even though they weren't even in the SEC championship, went ahead and won the whole thing. Um, you know, and to be fair, in some parties, it, it is awarded for winning a Big 12 or a Big 10 championship. But I always think there has been an SEC bias throughout the whole time. And, like, it's warranted, to be fair, it's warranted. They do have the best recruits, but... At the same time, recruits don't make a team. We've seen lower star teams beat, you know, higher class teams all the time. We saw, you know, Texas is top three every single year and they finish with five losses. So stars do matter at some point, but so does coaching. Um, and you got to have a balance. I just think that an SEC bias is unwarranted. And that's something that's kind of happened throughout because even last year there was a bit of an ACC bias um, teams kind of getting overrated, and that's going to happen every year. That's going to be the human factor of the college football playoff. You know, a negative or a positive, whatever have you. Um, I kind of didn't really know which category to put that in, but just the human bias of, hey, you know, this team kind of has more prestige to it, so let's go ahead and pick this team. But also, this team's been looking really, really good lately. Um, so maybe a computer doesn't really take that into account. You know, that's going to be a positive and a negative depending on where you're at with the committee. Um, So my solution. Right. And, you know, you, you find a problem and, and, you know, you don't want to be a shithead and just point out the negatives. You want to also give a pretty solid solution. Um, Obviously, my solution would have to be expansion. Now, I've kind of tweaked with a couple different ideals. Right. So my my first ideal from the get go, I always thought four teams was just not enough. I never thought four teams was going to be good enough. Um, maybe the first season, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But even after that, I was like, no. Um, I've always thought of a six-team playoff. I, I think that's what they should have started with. The first and the second seed, of course, getting a bye. And the other two teams kind of having play-in games. And then you go on from there. Um, I think that would always work out. But I've never, you know, you see a lot of people kind of create graphics for situations like this. And you see them do, um, you know, if... It's Florida versus Oklahoma. I saw that one a little bit in a 16-seed type playoff. If it's Florida versus Oklahoma, they're playing in Gainesville. That doesn't make too much sense to me. I don't think that generates anybody more revenue. I think uh, you start making those bowl games matter. So you start using those bowl games. And, and the, 
obviously the bigger um the bigger games you wait and pull that out of the bag until later into the playoffs but like those first games you can toss them in the Toledo Bowl or you can toss them in, or not Toledo Bowl um what was I thinking of like a, those those first few games you could toss them in the Alamo Bowl or, or something like that that's kind of more regional um to those teams and then continue to develop a better bowl and I honestly think people would tune into those games because everybody likes to see out-of-conference games. They like to see how their their team stacks up against different conferences. Um, so, yeah, but my whole idea is we need a 10-team um, playoff. And I think that would work out very well. And, and um, I kind of played around with the idea of either having a play-in game for two seeds or having the one and two seats have buys. Um, and I, I, I couldn't really come to a decision with that. But um, I would be like just very interested to see how that would work. I think, honestly, if I were to lean towards one and have to make a decision right now, you would see me put in the uh, the wild card games as opposed to giving the first round buys. Just because, you know, it's just based off committee selection um who gets that first and second seed what is what how big of a difference is there between a one and a three seed um most of the time there's not too much it's that four seed that usually gets blown out at oklahoma y'all gotta do better with that but um you know that being said a one through ten seed seeded playoff would uh Leave room, I think, for error, and I think that's a big problem with the uh, the big college, with the college football playoff. Um, you want to have it absolutely correct, and you're leaving a whole committee of people to, to leaving that to absolutely correct. And um, the justifications just aren't always great, as you can see in the uh, the like playoffs. Um, there was one season Oklahoma got in, and Georgia fans were kind of you know chattering like, "Hey, we could have done better against Alabama than y'all." But in reality, y'all y'all had your chance. You should have won that um, championship. So I think you know, a Georgia fans are crazy, but b you know, giving ten seeds leaves more room for error. Um, and that being said, I think we also have to give an advantage to to the to the way that teams are ranked. Because like I said, there's not much, that much difference um and obviously you're not going to be able to give like a, a seven point lead or anything we're not trying to do that but i think having regional bowls allowing the higher seed to p- get first dibs at which bowl game say texas and texas a&m both make it and texas was ranked higher they would get first dibs at like the cotton bowl um or the alamo bowl you know them both being from texas now the big problem with this is Obviously, um, it does create a longer season. It also gives more room for blowouts because we have seen the one seed absolutely slotted to four seed. An exam- for example, last season, Oklahoma versus LSU. Um, and that's just an ugly sight for games. Um, but I think the positive kind of outweighs the negative in this aspect. Um, even the longer games thing, maybe pushing back the season a little bit earlier, um, getting more games in there, or possibly shortening the uh, that just regular season, I think are both good ideas. Now, I I don't like the idea of eliminating, um, you know, non-conference opponents to begin the season. And I think this would also have a trickle-down effect on how you schedule, as we've already seen that kind of trickle down um, throughout college football. Uh, but it's also kind of created like differing 
philosophies. So in Oklahoma's case, I, I keep using them examples because that's just what I know best. That's what I watched the most of. Oklahoma's example, the year that they beat Ohio State and just they had room for error. They lost the game and they still got in, like, no doubt. Um, the years that they uh, played nobody, like a a Toledo or, you know, a Kent State or someone that's kind of just a much lesser opponent, even when they had one loss, they, um, you know, it was very debatable whether they were getting in. Last season, you saw that for sure. I don't even remember who they played to start the season. I think it was Houston and UCLA, kind of lesser opponents. Um, and that's not their fault. You just beat who's on the schedule, and UCLA has kind of been out of it. But nevertheless, they had a tough time getting in. They had to get help from Oregon. They had to get help from Auburn. They had to get help. Um, they didn't have a lock until that final week when Utah and Oregon and, you know, all of that happened. Um, so different philosophies on the scheduling I think that kind of just cancels that out I don't think this scheduling is going to change too much um and I think as long as the the bigger teams still play each other you know it doesn't really matter when you play now the the positives of this 10 team playoff like I said I think this just outweighs those negatives by uh, a long shot um plus kids want to play ball so there's going to be more good on good game film for the NFL draft and a bulk of these teams are going to get scouted pretty heavily for their uh, players. Now, this will be a disadvantage for players who don't go to bigger schools and can't make it to these uh, playoffs. Um, but, you know, Sola is not making the 14 playoffs. So, you know, that is what it is. I, I don't think that's going to be too much of a factor in recruiting. Um, more game, more bowl games that matter. I think that's a big deal because you see a lot of people opting out because, you know, they didn't make the playoffs. And uh, I'm just going to go get ready for the draft. I think if you're playing in a 10-game uh, ten, ten playoff, you're still sticking around and you still have a shot at the uh, the uh, championship, then you, you're going to stick it out with your brothers. And I, I also think just quitting on your team like that is kind of not cool anyways. Um, it also generate better ratings for bowl games, and I'm sure they do pretty well right now because college football is watched pretty heavily in the States, but um, just kind of having more of an emphasis. Now, it would be interesting to ha see how you would schedule these games because obviously if you played all these games at once, um, it would have negative effects on ratings. So um, I think you would have to play them over a course of time, not just in one weekend like you do now, and I think that's kind of been the big factor as to why it's always been four teams because you can just play two games you know whether it be new year's eve and new year's day or you know the night in um kind of lunchtime game uh whatever have you that's kind of why they've stuck to that that's why i would i would say this would have to be a process i would say that you would have to go from this four team playoff to a six or eight team playoff to a ten team playoff, um, or something along those lines, and then kind of I th see what what makes college football so fun for me. Um, I love the big games, the two teams duking it out, the the one and two seeds, the the big game like that. But it's always great to see the unranked guy beat the the number three team in the nation or. Or the uh, the Syracuse Orangemen to beat the the Clemson Tigers and 
you know, see him storm the field or anything like that. Um, I think that's really cool. I, that's one of my favorite things in college football is the opportunity for upset. And I think a one versus 10 creates more of an opportunity for upset. Because to be honest, if a four seed beats a one seed, that's kind of interesting, but, you know, not a huge deal. Not as far fetched as people think. Two out of the last six four seeds, um, there have only been six playoffs, just by the way. Two of the last six four seeds have beat the uh, one seed. So, you know, sitting at 33% in a six-season playoff committee. Um, you know, that's decent odds, but it's just, that just proves that it's not a shock. And those two teams were Bama and Ohio State who went on to win a natty. So, you know, those don't even feel like four seeds, to be honest. But, like, two and three seeds, it's kind of just like a toss-up. Like, if one team beats the other, it's not that big a deal. It's not that... Um, as dramatic as if a four seed would be the one seed. So, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at with this. Um, I think 10 is a really good number. I would love to see more. I would love to have a 16 seed playoff. Um, but I just think that that's not really too possible because um, injuries do happen. Um, and a 16 versus one team would not look pretty, you know, like if a, uh, a coastal Carolina had to go play Bama, <laughs> that'd be rough. Um, but you know, that is what would make it awesome is if that coastal Carolina team did beat that Bama team. So I think that's a big problem as well is, you know, UCF claimed national champion. Um, and they've kind of paved the way for a group of five teams to possibly get into the playoffs. You don't want that. You want to guarantee them they did not win a national championship. So if you toss in that UCF team with the dogs of Bama and Ohio State, Clemson, the Oklahomas, what happens? Don't give them, like, the chance to claim that. You know, make them go earn it. And I think that is the best opportunity to do so, expanding the playoffs. Just any expansion at this point is warranted. And yeah, so after that, we're going to move on into our next subject, which is a bit of a funny one. Um, there are a lot of hot seats in college football right now. Now, I think this year is going to be very interesting because I don't know how much of an account they're going to hold on to people playing in this year's season. Um, It's been a weird year. You know, what gets you know, pushed against coaches and what doesn't. But the two hottest seats are not Gus Malzahn. They're not James Franklin. But I would say it would have to be Jim Harbaugh followed very closely by Tom Herman. And those are very big, you know, considered by some blue bloods. I would consider Michigan. I would not consider Texas a blue blood at me. Um, but... You know, they have very big programs. So my whole thing is, what if they traded coaches? That would be, like, a very interesting topic to see play out. Um, I would love to see a Jim Harbaugh try and handle the pressure of being a Texas football head football, head football coach. I think he could get away with being a D.C., and I think he could be a damn good D.C. at Texas. But I would love to see him be a head coach. You know, scheming against those Big 12 offenses, having to recruit in-state against his rival, Ohio State, who have been snagging guys out of Texas. 
Um, Texas, you can recruit just Texas, and I still believe you could win a national championship. Texas is unable to do so. And what's sad is I think they're going out of state for guys and, you know, missing with those guys. So it's just, it's a tough look for Texas right now. You have to lock down the state. That is the first key for Jim Harbaugh to be successful at Texas. And he's not even going to go to Texas. If he gets canned, I would be very interested to see what happens to him. I think he goes and coaches group of five somewhere. Um, maybe, maybe even goes and plays D.C. a little bit. But Texas is just so tough to coach at right now. And uh, a lot of talk has been made about who's going to be the next head football coach. And I, I think the best man for the guy, I mean, the best guy for the uh, for the position would have to be Urban Meyer. It'd have to be Urban Meyer. Maybe Bob Stoops, but I don't want to see that. Um, someone who's going to come in, come in, take over your whole culture, not give a damn what your boosters say, and restart this program in a harsh way. Um, I think they need a dictator coach like a Nick Saban. They can't have the Lincoln Riley because they need a culture change. If Lincoln Riley came into Oklahoma and Oklahoma was in need of a culture change, I don't think he's as successful. Um... I also think Oklahoma doesn't have as much pressure as the Texas Longhorns. Now, there is immense pressure there at Oklahoma, but Texas just, they think they're Alabama, and they're not. They're far closer to Georgia. <laughs> and, you know, that's a different nutshell that we could get into, but Georgia's also not a blue blood at me. Um, and then Tom Herman of Michigan. Now, Herman of Michigan almost feels possible it almost feels possible let me tell you why herman coached at ohio state under urban meyer what a sight that would be to see urban meyer's um disciple go to michigan to coach against ryan day another meyer meyer disciple um herman and honestly i think he should get canned from Texas. I hope they don't because I think he does such a great job at Texas. <laughs> such a great job. He's awesome at Texas. I love him being there. Him and Sam Ellinger, if they could just stay there forever. Um, but yeah, like Herman of Michigan kind of makes sense because he did coach under uh, Meyer and it'd be interesting to see him take over Michigan. I don't think there's as much pressure to play to go coach for Michigan. I really don't. Um, and they are a very successful team to be honest with you, but I know this for a fact. Um, Herman can come in and change the culture. Maybe not Texas, but he can change the culture. I think what he did with Houston was beautiful. I think he did a great job with Houston. Had him rocking the gold grill, you know, turned that football program right around. So I know he can go in and change the culture, but it's hard with Michigan. Um, cause Ohio state is down the road and what's easy with Texas is you do have those five-star recruits right in your backyard with Michigan. You do have to go out of state. And if Herman's not able to recruit in Mich or in Texas, I don't know how well he'd be able to sell players on going to Michigan because no matter what, Texas is always going to get guys. There's going to be kiddos that are five stars that want to stay home and play in front of mom. There's going to be kiddos in Texas 
that want to travel and go to Ohio State. And that's been a big problem for Texas as well. But Tom Herman in Michigan just kind of makes sense. And I hate to break it to you, but it could very well happen. And I feel it's way more likely of the two. However, I don't see Texas firing Tom Herman until after Sam Ellinger. Um, in this situation, you know, both would end up in to- more toxic situations. Texas is so toxic. Um, but I don't think there's any winners in this situation. It would be an interesting kind of coaching change, but I don't think either teams end up better in this situation. I th- my my guess would have to be you got to go get someone young and hungry. Um, these guys don't seem that hungry to me. Um, that's my take on those coaches. So with the finish up of the podcast, I'm going to need a drink of water right quick. I did want to get into my Sooners. Um, so this is going to be like my Sooners 2020 wrap up. Kind of what I see heading forward, how we've done so far. So, last little segment of the podcast. Um, just today, Oklahoma was slated to play West Virginia this weekend, but West Virginia is having the vid problems. This game was already canceled a couple weeks ago, um, and this was supposed to be rescheduled to date. Oklahoma really wanted to get in one more game. Um special game they were more than likely to win to just kind of impress that college football playoff committee and maybe be a dark horse to get in I don't think they get in I don't think they should get in um anyways but they are a playoff team I would have loved to see you know like in a 10 team situation that they'd have to get in um so you know someone came up with the question Lincoln Riley if Ryan Day called you and uh wants to play a game because Ohio State apparently is Got a game off, and uh, they need one more game to get in that Big Ten championship, even though they're rewriting the rules. Um, what would you say? And he'd say, we'd play. Um, and, you know, I think that's that's the culture I like to see from Lincoln Riley. He's He's been on slate to say anywhere, anytime this season. You know, Ed Orgeron said that a lot last season, but Lincoln said it a lot this season. And I, I really love that mentality from him. Um, they're in a big recruiting battle for a five-star wide receiver in Emeka Egbuka, I think that's how you say his last name. I'm probably slaughtered that. But he's a big deal. Um, it's came down to Ohio State, Oklahoma, West Virginia is apparently far off. But I uh, would love to see that, that game happen if Ryan Day comes calling, you know. <laughs> uh, maybe meet somewhere in the middle like Iowa and play. <laughs> um, and, like, honestly, my pick for Oklahoma to play, if they had to schedule a game, um, they couldn't get anyone in the conference. I would like to see him play A and M. I mean, like if they had to play someone in the conference, I would say uh, Kansas State. But like A and M would be such a great game. The uh, the purple what are they? maroon goons? I would love to see their offensive line versus Oklahoma's offense or defensive line, who have been so good this season, man. Calvin Thibs. You know, creating those war daddies all season long. Ronnie Perkins coming off the edge, looking like the baby, trying to snatch chains like he's Debo. I love the way that team's played this season. You know, they've definitely bought into the culture of Alex Grinch. And that's something that's been really fun to watch, especially from the Oklahoma fan that I am, because I have not grown up with stout. 
defenses that played with swagger and jump, like ran around and got after the football. Um, the defenses that were were good that I remember were just good enough. They were just good enough. Um, the other ones that I remember were bad. <laughs> so, you know, it's just been really cool to see. And it's like, okay, maybe I do like defense. Because this whole time I've been like, you know what? I don't really like defense that much. Um, let me turn on some Big 12 football. This SEC football with this three-score game is boring. So, right now, the uh, bowl game projected for the Sooners is the Cotton Bowl versus a&M or Florida, um, and then I saw one for the Alamo Bowl, but who the fuck cares about the Alamo Bowl? You know, Oklahoma only wins Big 12 championships. I'm banking on them winning that Big 12 championship, six straight. Um, they got Iowa State, redemption game. What's crazy is everyone kind of holds those two losses on Oklahoma's head. And, you know, they were missing a lot of players or whatever. Um, you know, a lot of those players were young. Whatever. I, I don't care about that. I don't care about any of that. Like, you're better than those teams are. <laughs> you know, if you had enough players to go out there and play. And, and Lincoln's gone back and said, you know, maybe we shouldn't have played those games. We did not have enough players. Um, but at the University of Oklahoma, if you have enough players, you're going to play the game. And, you know, that's kind of what he said. So um, I think he's starting to kind of feed off Alex Grinch's energy. But um kind of excited a little bit worried about Oklahoma's defense versus Florida I feel like you know that'd be quite the test um and even that coupled with Oklahoma's offense versus Florida and I know Florida's defense has kind of got ran through this season but I think everybody's a little bit better for bowl games because in the regular season, these are teams that you play every so often. These are teams you keep an eye on. Then you get to a bowl game. It's a team that you haven't watched any film on. Uh, you don't really see too many people play. So everybody plays a little bit different different bowl games. Um, so I would be very excited, very worried about that Oklahoma-Florida game. Uh, one of the first games I remember is that national championship with Oklahoma and Florida, and I could only watch the first half. Because my mom said I was past my bedtime. So, you know, I thought they won. <laughs> um, and then just kind of, you know, on the, you know, National Signing Day is not too far away. So Oklahoma has a really big possibility of signing four or five stars. Um, Tristan Lay, uh, Kamar Wheaton, you know, the Mountain Foster, and then, of course, Egbuka. I think that would be a really, really, really good closeout to this um, 2020 class. But, or I'm sorry, 2021. But, like, if, if they don't get, if they get at least two of those guys, I'd be satisfied. Um, I think they can at least pull off two. I think three is really good, um, but there's no way they get all four. So... But I cannot wait to see this team moving forward. I think next year is going to be special. I expect them to compete for a national championship every year. You're moving out until Caleb Williams gets here. Um, that's going to be it for me. It has been a great class. Um, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. See you.